The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. of analyze this here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands with yours truly, Neville James. Let's analyze this, man. It's a beautiful day in paradise. Glad to be back in the saddle. You know what I'm saying? Missed you a lot. And uh, I'm going to make it up to you. We got a great show today. Today's preview day. Because tomorrow is D-Day. Okay? Tomorrow's D-Day. Right, everybody know D Day to be um, Norman Normandy Beach uh, <laughs> for World War Two, but tomorrow D Day is the Virgin Islands. We got a political war, and I, you, you can hear it in my voice, right? I got the Yankee twang and all that stuff because I've been away. You know, I've been busy. So let me first of all let me let me deal with my telephones here because I forgot to to put them on on silence, and and I believe we have Miss um, uh, Gloriana Rivera joining us. Um, from the weather service because I missed them. I haven't spoken to them in a long while. Good morning, Gloriane. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good. Here working since early morning. Yeah, I missed you. I've been on vacation, so I miss talking to you. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's good. So, um, the, the weather's beautiful here in the Virgin Islands. Tell me, it's the same in San Juan. So in San Juan, we have a very uh, nice uh, day with sunny and partly cloudy skies. So it's uh, pretty nice after the weekend that we had here in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Now check this out. I've been away. All right, I've been on the mainland, and I heard that we've had a lot of rain over the last two weeks. Tell me about it from, yes. a, from, a, meter, from a meteorological standpoint. Tell me about yes. the rain. So in the past uh, few days, we've been having the combination of a trough and tropical wave that passed uh, just across our islands. And uh, pretty much during the weekend, we got up to five inches in St. Croix and up to six inches in St. Thomas and St. John as well. Over the weekend only? Over the weekend, from Friday to yesterday. Cinco in Santa Cruz, say in St. Thomas and St. John? Yes. So wow. pretty much St. Croix had uh, up to 5 inches, and St. Thomas and St. John up to 6 inches of rain. Y Vieques y Culebra? Vieques and Culebra, uh, Vieques had up to 8 inches, and Culebra 5. Wow. And, and, and the eastern part, or the whole part of the, the entire island of Puerto Rico, or just the eastern part got a lot of rain? Oh, no. Um, other parts of Puerto Rico that had uh, up to 8 or uh, 9 inches of rain were the southern part of Puerto Rico between Ponce and the area of Salinas. Now, which way was this wave working its way from? Was it working from s south to north, west to east, or because normally the prevailing winds are east to west? Yeah, so it was uh, working from east to west, and then the combination with the tropical wave for moisture associated from this tropical wave to a trough that we had toward north um, were uh, uh, doing this uh, rain activity across our islands. Um, actually, the, the trough that it was affecting us, uh, it's now the subtropical storm uh, Nicole, north to our area, and moving towards the Bahamas on the eastern side of Florida. So this is, in effect, it, this is, uh, has been designated as a tropical storm? 
right now. Yeah, so uh, early this morning, the National Hurricane Center in Miami designated the system as the now uh, subtropical storm Nicole, and it's expected to strengthen a little bit more, uh, and it's on its way to Florida. Wow, wow, I got to go do my homework and all that stuff. Wow, so yes. um, So what are we looking at, though? Um, are we looking at intermittent rain, intermittent rain here in the territory, uh, in the region, or... Uh, has the rain moved out and we're going to have clear days for the next couple of days? No, yeah, so we continue to with moisture associated with Nicole and it's expected uh, to be like this until at least uh, Wednesday and then um, the Virgin Islands are going to receive uh, uh, rain associated to this, especially St. Thomas and St. John that currently they have uh, uh, showers uh, from the system and St. Croix looks uh, pretty good for the next couple of hours and then in the afternoon hours it's possible to get some rain in the area. And St. Thomas and St. John? As well, yes. Same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that there is less humidity. It's real nice outside. Yes, and it's uh, it's been cooler in the past few days than in the previous uh, month for telling like this, and uh, it's because of the of this uh, cloudiness that we've been having around. Okay. So um, you said um, some rain this afternoon. Yes. And and moisture is going to remain in the area through Wednesday. Correct. Okay. Anything else we need to know? Beachgoers, boaters, what should we tell oh, them? Okay. What should we tell them? Uh, Beachgoers, we have a moderate to high risk of recurrence along the islands, and we have currently a high uh, an advisory for the boaters around. So we have a small craft advisory out until tonight. Okay, small craft advisory for the boaters, beachgoers. They should beach be careful. Goers, yes, be careful at the beaches because we continue with a high risk of recurrence. Okay, good. Gloria Rivera, thank you very much. Nice talking to you. You're welcome. Okay, good. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's that's the National Weather Service there in San Juan getting me back in stride. You know what I'm saying? Thank you very much to my DJ uh, for hooking uh, me up. I want to say a special shout-out to Mr. and Mrs. Petit Pump Room, Mikey and Judy Watson. Saw you all over the weekend, you know what I'm saying, up in the Midwest, looking dapper as ever, you know what I'm saying? So uh, really, really good to see you. At the event, and uh, uh, you know, um, of course, you know, I went to the Breeders' Crown up at Mohawk. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later because I drove from New York to Toronto via Buffalo. It's beautiful up there, in particular in the fall. And then I also then I uh, d- drove back to the city and then flew out to the Midwest Thursday. I spent Friday and Saturday in Kentucky. So I definitely want to give a shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Petit Pompoum again, Judy Watson. Uh, saw them uh, at Keeneland racing as it was meant to be. And we saw a computer on Saturday by the name of uh, Equine Computer by the name of Flightline who did this thing. I told you all about him when I went to New York for the Belmont. So I had ample one in about his brilliance. And he showed it again. Uh, good morning, Archie. How are you? I'm doing very well. I missed you, brother. I missed you. Thank you very much. I missed you too. How's everything? Everything's very cool. Did you see a lot of baseball games? Is it cool? Uh, man, you know, I got knocked out. I got knocked out of the playoffs. I mean, my Yankees, we got our head knocked off the Sunday. I noticed two, that. Two, I two, days, that. two days after we left, and Houston Houston Astros, um, they actually won it on Saturday, Sunday night. They took care of business on Sunday yeah. night. Saturday night. Saturday night. So congratulations to all Astro fans and supporters and all that good stuff. <laughs> what, what I got going today is horrifying, but fun to talk about, I think. I went and did some legal research and found out what a public tele- what a public utility is. Now, did you know that a public utility is owned by the government? The public. 100% owned by the government? Did you know that? Yes. Yes. Well, 
<laughs> but do you know what that means? What, what that means to me is that the government is telling us every day exactly what rates they're going to charge this month for WAPA. Not WAPA's not telling us. The government, you guys, I think over 100 senators and governors are complicit in this. Ever since the company was started, the government has been directing the amount of money that's charged to the Virgin Island customers. Well, not necessarily the... the, the um... The, the, the Water and Power Authority is a semi-autonomous agency. So, 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 so powers have been delegated to that agency, and they have to petition the Public Service Commission, which is a government entity, uh, with justification um, for, to, to determine rates that will be uh, applied to the rate payers um, based, on, you know, based on cost of commodity and the cost to um, you know, um, run, run the authority overhead personnel, uh, things of that nature, with 11.5% return on investment. They, have, they, have a, they, they are limited in the amount of money they can make. Well, it, it, it's, all, it's all true. However, if you look at it in the broader picture, the government basically tells WAPA what to do because if WAPA does wrong, the government says stop doing it, you know, through the, through the uh, commissions and everything. But the government tells WAPA and has control of what WAPA does. And so WAPA's caught in a catch-22 because they get the blame for the rates, but the government's the one that's telling them to do it. Well, advice and consent with respect to the board members at the Water and Power Authority, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's the role. You know, the governor submits nominees, sends them down to the legislature as it relates to Advice and consent. The governor does not hire the CEO. Um, I mean, I'd be naive. I'd, I'd actually be, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be lying to the public if I didn't, you know, say that the, the governor has influence because he does. He is the governor of the Virgin Islands and the Water and Power Authority is a, a public utility. But as it relates to the day-to-day operations, management and all that stuff on the board, you know, they have, they have that influence. They have that clout, that, that oversight authority. And that's what we're dealing with. But they are limited to eleven and a half percent, eleven and a half percent profit profit margin. But keep in mind, uh, um, um, Archie, that our situation is completely unique because we are not connected to anybody with respect to a grid. So I, I, I don't want yeah. us. I don't want us to get into comparing our situation with others for that reason. That's number one. Number one. No, no, number two. Yeah. Number two. Our biggest issue, and I want to wrap up this, this discussion because I got some other things I want to talk about. Our biggest issue is our unwillingness to truly commit to alternative energy sources. That's a, that To me, that's just as big, right? Because it speaks to us from a collective standpoint where we lack the vision and we lack the will, given, given, the, communi- given the context that we have. And, 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 and the way that Uncle Sam um, has been willing to invest in alternative uh, energy sources. And for some reason, there's a local, there's a local saying that we, hear, that we say here in the Virgin Islands, we like it so. In other words, we want it to remain the same way. We take this beating and, you know, we complain about it. We've had an energy crisis for the better part of 20 years now. And we're still in the same predicament that we were in when it started. So true, so true. Yeah. So true, so true. Well, I think I'll, I'll end it up right here. 
Love you, love you. Uh, Wapa, is, I think it has, in my mind, it got, for me, a Christmas present because I no longer am un- unhappy with Wapa about the rates and what, what I'm charged. I'm unhappy only with the legislature and the government. So I think WAPA is the fall guy because they 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 can't criticize the government. It's their government. Anyway, thank you very much for coming back. Looking forward got, to have a great election. It. No, we're great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Looking looking forward looking, looking forward to that. Thank you, Archie. Appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? All the best. Uh, so that's our Archie from the north side over there uh, in uh, Saint Thomas. Let me speak directly into the microphone here because I'm texting somebody and uh, and. Uh, I ain't gonna tell you who it is, but they say it's about time, right? So they're telling me, you know what I mean? Where you been? So I just respond to them and say, why can't you just tell me I miss you? You know what I'm saying? So I ain't gonna call no name in that case, you know but but that's how we at. So I'm glad to be back, man. And we got a great conversation. Of course, you know the Rattan Pool, Raymond James gonna be joining us in about six minutes. We're gonna break that down. We also had the Island Analytics poll from Mr. Um, Dorsey, Richard Dorsey. He releases poll during the week. And the, the beauty of polling is that it adds to the speculation. And, you know, it gives us a snapshot. So we're looking forward to breaking that down. Of course, you know, the table talk will be in full effect of this. So tell everybody, tell your friends, okay? That beginning at 840, right? We got a special edition of the table talk. We're going to be breaking down the polling numbers, breaking down sentiment here in the territory, of course. I've been away, but I got a cell phone. My father got two of them. And they've been letting me know what's been going on. I've been following, of course, because, you know, I know I came back, you know, today and and all that good stuff. But quickly, uh, I was telling you about flight line, right? And, of course, you know, the Virgin Islands is like a mini Kentucky. The two most popular sports here in the Virgin Islands, when we have everything in place, is horse racing and basketball. And that's the two, no, the two biggest sports in the state of Kentucky. <clears throat> back in June, you know, I took... Uh, my first trip of the year, uh, and uh, no, second trip. I took the first one in May, second one in June, third one in August, and then I took my last trip just now. Normally, when I go to the Belmont Stakes, which is the third leg of the Triple Crown, I go to see the Belmont Stakes. This year, I went to see the Metropolitan Handicap, known as the Met Mile, because Flightline was coming from California to run, and I said I wasn't going to miss that. And he, he delivered. He went by six lengths that day. So in August, when I took my summer trip and I went to Saratoga, because I, I like to go upstate to Saratoga, that's a beautiful part of New York. I said I'm going to take it next week because I go in California, I got flight line running down in San Diego and Del Mar. And he was running a distance that he had never run before, a quarter of a mile more, and the same distance that they ran this past Saturday. He won that race by 19 lengths. So they were saying, well, that's California. You go come back Kentucky for the Breeders' Cup, and then they, they got a horse named Life is Good who has a lot of speed, and he might burn out flight line. Well, <clears throat> I'm putting it this way. My employee called me yesterday. We were analyzing this the day after. And he said, Neville, I's a, I's a life is good fan. And you know what it's like to see my jockey scrubbing and my horse and flight line that three lengths behind my horse and the jockey looking back. Not looking forward who they in front of you because he worried about who they in front of you. He worried to see if anybody from the back could get close. That's how dominant this flight line is. And of course, for those of you who don't know, he, he won his sixth consecutive race and he was retired. Yesterday morning while I was in the Miami airport, 
Um, the word came out that he was retired up there. Here, they're saying that his syndication fee for a horse that was purchased for a million dollars in 2019 is anywhere from 60 to 80 million dollars today. Okay, so you know we analyze this. <laughs> saying that's 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 investment. And uh, over a three-year period, they increase his stud value because he'll be heading off to the barn 60 to 80 times over the original investment for a million dollars in 2019. All I could say is, wow. Now, a bigger wow going to happen tonight. Okay, said the power ball, that's $1.9 billion. Imagine if one of us in the Virgin Islands could hit that. That's what I'm hoping for. You know what I'm saying? Everybody would want it for themselves. I don't want one of them with it. Because you know that would balance the budget, right? Because <laughs> you know that the taxes, the taxes from that, right? That would be a windfall. As a matter of fact, the government at that point, right, would have to give back money to the people. Like those states, when they, when they turn a profit for the fiscal year, uh, like I know Alaska, you know, when they turn a profit, they, they write a check, they send a check to, to, the, to the people. So... That would be nice if one of us could win it and we get that tax money and then the government could share it with the public. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking uh, with Mr. Riemann James a little bit to break down the poll and polling results and all that. We're going to do that over the next segment and then beginning in the third segment of the show, which is the last segment of the first hour, the table talk will start at 840. We're going to break down prospects, what have you. And look at the early voting numbers. Last week, Monday, was Manic Monday here in, in the Virgin Islands as relates to early voting. Some... 1700. Let me see, 986 and seven. Uh, yeah, 986 and 785. 86 and 85 is 171. 1771 people voted on Monday alone, which was mini election day because remember, that's, that's the last day for early voting. Uh, and that brought the total to somewhere around 11,008. We're going to bring up, we're going to be um, specific with that. So the real question is how many people are going to vote tomorrow to give us that final number, right? 2018, general election, the number was 26,000 or thereabouts. When 2020, of course, we had the pandemic. That number dropped to 18,000 in 2020, so it's going to be interesting. But, you know, we're going to analyze this, like Rakita said. Let me analyze this, so we can do that today. So we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, good morning to all my peoples. Glad to have you listening, as is the norm. Summer Sibley Brown, love you to death. Thanks for the great job you did. Take a break. Be back right after this. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! Democracy Now! features ideas and voices from some of the best minds of this generation and previous ones, including activists, muckrakers, visionaries, artists, risk-takers, academics, and just folks, as in the most just folks, who share a commitment to truth, democracy, justice, diversity, equality, and peace. Catch Democracy Now! at his new time, weekdays at 10 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly, what a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico, and 
A lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning, you know? And it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Great question, huh? That's a great question. And that's a great question. Wow, that's another great question. That's, uh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. What a great question. On Fresh Air, you'll hear unexpected questions and unexpected answers. Weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJ FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. Phone blowing up, I'm people. I'm showing me love. I'm, I love you too, man. Serious cuts. I keep telling people the, the, the strength of this show are my listeners because y'all guide me, keep me on the straight and narrow, and all that good stuff. And of course, you know, um, we try to stick to the issues, facts, data, history, all that stuff. Even though they're my last week, uh, this for I mean, we ain't really into that. But anyway, we got a numbers man joining us right now, Mr. Raymond James from Rattan Investments, of which the Rattan Pool. Is under the umbrella. Good morning, Mr. Raymond James. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, uh, Mr. James. And you listening on it? Okay, good. Now we had you on for the primary. First of all, how'd you make out over the weekend with the with the Breeders' Cup, World Thoroughbred Championships? Well, still working on the numbers, so <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get until <laughs> I didn't get in until late. But what I saw was um, incredible, including the great. Um, uh, flight nine. He, he's everything that everyone said he is. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the comparison he, to the great secretary. I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. Uh, we, we 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 have the. You know, maybe we're just looking for 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 things. But it's been forty nine years since Big Red. That's what the Secretariat was officially known as because he was a chestnut, a beautiful horse, and um, they want to compare these horses. But first of all, the reality is, um, by the time Flight Line made his first start. As a three-year-old, Secretariat was already was just going on the Triple Crown Trail. You know right. what I'm saying? So, so you can't compare to it. And he retired at the, at the age of three, and Flightline did most of his damage by the time Secretariat retired. So, we'll stay away from that comparison. But we got a, a local comparison uh, joining us here this morning as well. Um, we got Mr. Richard Dorsey from Island Analytics joining the conversation. But I want to so, so I want to say good morning to him. Good morning, Mr. Dorsey. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Good. Um, so let's let 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 let's do this. Let's go back to Rattan Pool, um, uh, because Mr. Dorsey, you released your your poll was released when a week ago, Tuesday, thereabouts. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Oh, good. So, Mr. Mr. James, you've been you've been polling for 
what, about 22 years, 23 years now? That's correct, yeah. Okay, good. Latter part of the 90s. And, right. um, Nin to be exact, I'm 1998. 1998, so 24 years of polling yeah. um, politics here uh, in, in the territory. And um, tell us what was most intriguing about this general election cycle polling. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Let's analyze this some we we don't ask that kind of question. You might not get this that's kind of question, so please Sergio, get it here. The, that that's fine. I started polling actually um October the fifteenth until November the second. And, and the polling was done um by three three means. One, telephone, two, paper ballots. That's been my mainstay all of these days. When I mean paper ballots, I mean paper paper um, surveys for in different communities and also exit polling. And the interesting thing is that, matter of fact, I got to tell that uh, the Board of Election did a wonderful job in the early voting this year. It was really good, and people are quite enthusiastic. But the most interesting thing of all is, especially for me, was the when the when I started doing the counting and the results was uh, the area of the gubernatorial race that I started a sense that um, many of the um, folks that did accept it and did fill out the the the, um, the survey um, skip over the gubernatorial race. So that, that, to me, was one of the most intriguing things. I've never seen that before uh, to the percentage. My poll said that um, uh, finalized about 13% that did all of the downline um, categories with the exception of the gubernatorial race. I thought that was quite interesting. Mr. Dorsey, you saw the same thing, too, where, where um, voters were non-committal for any of the four teams that have been offered themselves for the gubernatorial lieutenant governor race? Uh, not with our instrument. We structure our instrument in such a way that um, we ask you to complete uh, certain questions. Uh, the gubernatorial question is something that we wouldn't let them shy away from. However, uh, we do give them a off-ramp in terms of none of the above. Uh, we've done it for our pre-nomination and our primary results as well. And what we've noticed is that none of the above, or we would call them now people on the fence, play a significant role. Uh, for the latest one we did with the general election, it was 10% were none of the above. 10% um, could sway an election in any direction. Uh, so that's something we noticed was a, a major trend. But that's, in, but, but, that, gubernatorial. but that's in the same ballpark yeah. as Mr. James. Mr. James at 13%, 10 and 13% in the grand scheme is pretty yeah. much in the same, same ballpark. Yeah, we got lots of holdouts out there. For now, uh, and that's, for that's now. That's what interesting, uh, well, until tonight. <laughs> until tonight. <laughs> uh, well, well and, and for those who are ready early vote, if they didn't vote, if they didn't vote for one of those teams, that, 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 that ship done sail. They can't, they can't participate. They can't say, well, I want to finally be a part of that, that gubernatorial race now because they already uh, turned in the ballot. So, Mr. James, back to you. 13%, um, same ballpark uh, for the most part, 10 13%. That's a significant number, Mr. James. Yes, yes it is. And basically, I did ask questions of others that, they, that took the survey, and basically were four factors. Um, one, um, one was non-committal. Uh, they wasn't sure whether or not they would vote for either of them. 
And another factor was that people just didn't want to tell you who they were they were selecting mm-hmm. in that area. And then the third one, people just felt that they they just didn't feel comfortable at that time because um, unless it was exit polling at the time to decide then whether or not they would select one of the candidates. So I, I thought that that was quite interesting. Now, um, <clears throat> let, 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 let's get right to the gubernatorial race. Territory-wide, um, Mr. James, your number is, you, you got the Brian Roach team at what percentage? Go right down the line because I, I ain't trying to break it for you. Yeah, I invite you on to problem. break it. Go right ahead. It, the territory where I have the Brian Roach team at 44%, um, Zaley and Sarah at 41 um, Mr. Pickett and Mr. Tumble, um less than a percent. Likewise, uh, Mr. Stephen Smokey Fred and Green Middle, less than, a, less than a percent. And I didn't see any, well, maybe two or three ballots for um, any writing candidates. Okay. Um and and for your, your synchro numbers, Mr. James. Uh, which um, the territory? That's the no, 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 the go, no, 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 numbers. Synchro, synchro number. Kurt Ville and Janice Sarah, forty-five percent. Um, Governor Bryan and Chiganza Roach at thirty-eight percent. Again, Mr. Pickard and Turnbull, Mr. Smokey Fred and Greg Miller, both at less than one percent. And again, um, the no selection at thirteen percent. And and what was your numbers for St. Thomas? Uh, St. Thomas polling was um, Governor Bryan and uh, Lieutenant Governor Roach at 52%. Uh, Challenger Kurt Ville and Jenna Saro at 37%. Um, Smokey Fred um, and Greg Miller, and Mr. Pickard and our, um, Elroy Turnbull, less than 1%. And again, uh, no selection at 13%. Mr. Dorsey, what, what were your numbers? Based on the gubernatorial race, so I'm starting territory-wide. So when we look at it territory-wide, uh, we have uh, Governor Brian at, um, sorry, territory-wide. I jumped a little fast. Yeah. I was supposed to. Yeah. Let's do territory-wide territory and then break and Territory-wide, then we break uh, it down by district. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with the same lineup as um, Mr. James. So mm-hmm. we just have an easy way of looking at it. So Brian Roach, uh, 40%. Uh, VLA Saro, 44%. Uh, Mr. Picard, uh, not even a percent. Uh, Mr. Smokey Fred, 4.7%, and none of the above at 10. Okay. What, what, what about St. Croix and then St. Thomas? Territory-wide, uh, we're looking at Brian Roach. No, 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 you, you already did territory-wide. Give me the St. Croix now. Sorry, yes, St. Croix-wide, uh, Brian Roach at 42%. Uh, VLA Saro at 46%, um, Mr. Picard at 1%, uh, Mr. Smokey Fret at 6%, and none of the above at 3%. So the Crujans were very decisive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in St. Thomas, uh, we have the governor at 38.7% tied with uh, Senator VLA and Senator Saro. Uh, then we have uh, Mr. Picard at 0%. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, Mr. Stephen Smokey Fret at uh, 3%, and none of the above at 19.3%. No, you, you, also, uh, you also did a, a separation within district. You, you got St. John numbers as well, right? 
Yes. So what we did is we did St. Thomas, St. John. Um, when we look at St. John, uh, Senator Vialet is at 66%. Uh, Governor Bryan's at 22%. No percentage points for any of the other candidates at 11% holdout. Um, so we were definitely similar in terms of trend with Mr. James Rattanpole. Uh, we do see a shift. Well, let, well, let me ask uh, Mr. James this question. Mr. James, did, did you see yeah. anything with respect if you parsed out the St. John um, participation, yes, the participation in, in the election. What was your numbers for St. John? Yeah, the the numbers on St. John, the governor I think was a forty five percent, and Mr. Vele was at forty one percent, and a large again about eighteen percent not voting. I mean, not, no selection rather. Mm -hmm. And the other well, that, 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 that would be fourteen. That would be fourteen percent because you got forty five and yeah, forty one. Correct, yeah. fourteen percent, and the other candidates less than a percent. Wow. Now, 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 I'm going to say this. Going into the election cycle, I, I, I was saying there's a likelihood that there could be a runoff. Are both of you of that thinking? I'll start with you, Mr. Dorsey, first, and then Mr. James. Uh, I think a, a runoff is very likely. Um, like I said earlier, I think sentiments have changed between the primary, um, and we looked at the campaigns, uh, being more vocal and, and direct at each other. We all know um, Senator VLA's camp had the, the advantage of holding out until the general election to really put their efforts in. We've had a few debates thus far. I think the candidates' messages have permeated throughout the community and people have been able to make a more concrete decision. Uh, so I definitely see runoff. Um, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not surprised if strange things do happen. Yeah. Uh, St. Croix being a very strong early vote uh, this year, as uh, we shared with you in, in other discussions, um, one of my guys, we looked at the data, St. Croix has never been, in the last three to four elections, St. Croix has never been a strong early voter. It's always been the St. Thomas, St. John district. This is the first year St. Croix was at least 400 to 500 votes above St. Thomas, St. John. Um, and as we can see through all of the polls, VLA is very strong on St. Croix. Um, so I, st I still... You know, like I say on football, anything can happen on a Sunday. I still believe anything can happen on a Tuesday. <laughs> I definitely do see runoff. <laughs> Mr. Mr. James, what's your, what's your take on the likelihood of a runoff election? Well, within the 5% the margin, based on the territorial numbers, there is a likelihood that there would be a runoff, primarily from my standpoint, because of the issue as a concern to to the no selection, mm -hmm. very high at 13%. And the fact that within the margin um, between uh, Mr. Pickard, Mr. Uh, Smokey Fred, and any are writing, if they're able to garner territorially uh, 1%, certainly there's a potential for a runoff. Now, however, there is also a potential, you never know, um, Mr. Dorsey said, you never know what will happen on Tuesday. Because the margins are very small, and the the combatants are not that far away from the 50. So even within the margin, if you will go to one that gets to 5% more uh, within the margin of error, that can get them very close to the 49%, and the other one will, be, will come close to the 48% within the margin. So the likelihood of a runoff is still there, but the poss possibility that an election day, which I believe will be another 
based on the the prior election cycle, about uh, I would say anywhere between six to eight thousand people left. Well, well you know, well, well, I'm glad you went there because I have the numbers for voter participation for the last four general election cycles, which includes two gubernatorial cycles. And here are the numbers, and I want both of you to listen to these numbers very, very carefully. 2014 was a gubernatorial year, 27,879 participants. 2016, a non-gubernatorial year, that number dropped from 27,879 to 20,967, which was about 75% of the 27,879. Then we went to 2018, back to a gubernatorial cycle, but one year removed from the hurricanes. The number went up to from 20,967 to 26,346. So we had an increase of 5,400. And then, of course, we had a non-gubernatorial cycle in 2020, which was impacted by COVID, and the number dropped from 26,346, a gubernatorial cycle in 18, to 18,130. That's a significant drop. Over 8,000 less people participated in the in the non-gubernatorial election in 2020. So the question is, because it's a gubernatorial cycle, and we already have 11,800 and... I got a number right here. Um... 11,849 people have already voted via early voting. Are we looking at another 8,000 to get us to 20,000? Or are we looking at another 14,000 to get us to 25,000? Let me start with you, Mr. James, then Mr. Dorsey. Well, when I looked at the numbers uh, from the Board of election, and I'm just going to go to the primary year, um in terms of only 20% of the elected of the election of the um, people voting came out that was just 20% now we are 11,800 um, because of the early voting i don't see us getting to uh, back to 2018 at the 51% mm -hmm. i think more likely than not we'll get to about 46 maybe 47 because in reviewing the latest numbers, it, it appears to me that the Board of Election has reshuffled the numbers downward to about 39,000 people, you see. So I don't see us getting beyond. Obviously, it would be great if the people of the Virgin Islands go out and even get to 50% plus. That would be great. But the trends suggest to me that it will be above 46% which means that on election day, Tuesday, tomorrow, there is above the top um, 10,000 people left to be voted on. I'm going to take a break right on that, and then we'll get Mr. Mr. Dorsey's take on turnout for tomorrow. Be back right after this, breaking down election preview. El sistema de elecciones de las Islas Vírgenes lo está haciendo más fácil para que tú formes parte de nuestro equipo por medio de nuestro programa de voluntarios. Estamos en busca de personas buenas como tú que puedan proveer a cada votante el apoyo que necesitan para que efectivamente puedan participar en el proceso de votación. Puede comenzar recogiendo y completando la aplicación para voluntarios de cualquiera de nuestras oficinas en el territorio. Usted puede servir como monitor. 
también tienes la opción de convertirte en un facilitador, asegurando que los votantes que están votando por primera vez, los envejecientes y la comunidad de deshabilitados puedan votar con confidencia y acertadamente. Si tienes el tiempo y estás dispuesto a servir, hay un lugar para ti. Solo inscríbete. Si quieres más información, llama al 340-773-1021. Y recuerda, el votar no es solo su derecho, es lo correcto hacer. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1. Tune in to conversations with AARP Virgin Islands. Listen and watch to get news and information on upcoming events as well as informed conversations with agencies and community organizations. On WTJX TV Channel 12, Fridays at 8.30 p.m., Sundays at 2 p.m., Saturdays streaming live on AARP Virgin Islands and WTJX's Facebook page, Tuesdays at 11 and live 11 a.m. at 93.1 WTJX FM, conversations with AARP Virgin Islands. and we're breaking down uh, the Island Analytics poll that was released a week ago. Um, matter of fact, I, I got a phone call early last week, Tuesday, Monday, to tell me about it. And, of course, the Rattan poll that was uh, released uh, over the weekend. Um, looking at the election, the general election cycle, uh, we have Mr. Raymond James from the Rattan poll and Mr. Richard Dorsey from Island Analytics. Uh, we got Mr. James' take with respect to um, anticipated turnout tomorrow, anticip anticipated turnout tomorrow. What is your take, Mr. Dorsey? We're at 11,008 in the hopper already. What do you think that number is going to be tomorrow, and what is the final number, ballpark estimate? Well, um, I do agree with Mr. James' reasoning in terms of uh, the bulk might um, have voted when you look at previous years. Um, one thing I'd like to also put into the pot is that we're not looking at the effects of the population decline um, and really laser focusing it on what the election um, population looks like. Well, well, let, let, me, well, let me stop it right there. Like, let me stop it right there because I yeah. like to bring my listeners uh, into the discussion. Mm. I got a text message. One of them said, what percentage of voters across the years, right? Not just the absolute numbers. And I, I responded. I said percentages, which I happen to love, are less applicable in 2022 because of population displacement. And the election mm, system has reduced the voter rolls by a significant number. In other words, right, they had eligible voters at a very high number, right, at, at, at one point in the 58,000. And I believe that number is now significantly been reduced. So that's why in this case, I would prefer that we, more, we look at more raw numbers than percentages. What's your take, Mr. Dorsey? Well, don't hold me to it forever. No, um, no, no, no. I no, think just... if we get... <laughs> Yeah. I think if we get 6,000, that would be amazing, but I don't see that happening so easily. I really don't. Wow. Um, I think if we get 
to just looking at the trend uh, when you said in 2014 we were at 27,000, in 2018 we were at 26,000, and now we're looking at 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, something really happened between 2018 and 2022. You're yes, looking sir. at two cat fights, you're looking at COVID, and then also you're looking at the closing of Line 3. Now, that means on St. Croix, especially, there was a reason for a mass exodus. Uh, on St. Thomas, between the closing of a lot of the hotels, the tourism the sector, individuals on. had to find jobs elsewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, historical number of around 27,000, 26,000 on a gubernatorial year is closer to the 20, 22,000 mark, uh, just because you have a significant population decline. Um, and then with the new legislation that has been purging voters who were not active over the last couple of cycles, and you're right, I think it went from 52,000, and Mr. James said it, we're looking at 39,000. Uh, so the numbers would reflect the down, downturn. No, um, Mr. DJ, don't, don't, don't hang up. Um, we're trying to get Mr. Doc School, uh, let him into the, to the conversation, uh, if, if you will. Um, so, Mr. James, before, before we go to the Doc School, and I, and I want to do this, right? I know we focused on the gubernatorial election cycle because it's a gubernatorial year. Can I get both of you to give us your top seven for the district races as well as who you have leading in the senate at large race i want to start with you in this case mr james um who is your top seven in the district of st thomas st john for the okay, senator yeah, race? I, I just i just wanted to digress for one minute in terms of the population yeah go ahead i'll oh, go ahead which is true however the population shift in terms of numbers is one thing but in terms of people participating in the political process is something different. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. For that for that. Seriously, very, 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 very important distinction. Go right ahead. Yes. So I want to make sure that the issue of voter participation nevertheless has been declining and I don't believe that is good for our society. You see, at the high end it was all the way up to fifty one percent in twenty eighteen, if you recall. Then when you drop down to the primary, that is the Democratic primary, it went to 20% participation. I am hoping that the enthusiasm that I see uh, from both sides will drive that participation back up to the 50% because it is only at that stage that we know that the people are engaged in their own community affairs as it relates to the selection of the leaders. Well, let us something. Let, something let, 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 we, let we stay on that topic. We, we could get to the senatorial race in a little while because I want to bring in uh, two of my esteemed uh, table talk uh, colleagues, uh, Mr. Donald Blocks Cole over there in the Capitol. Uh, good morning, Mr. Majority Leader. How are you? Good morning, Neville James. Welcome back. Good morning to the pollsters, man. It's it's a good day. You like the you, 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 you like the conversation so far, man. You like the conversation, my brother. You like it. Neville James is back and and and, and table talk. <laughs> and of course, um, my good friend, uh, brother from another mother, Mr. Ronald Russell, the president of the Twenty Ninth Legislature, four times senator out of the the district of Saint Croix. Good morning, Ronnie, man. Glad to have you back on. Good morning, Neville. Good to have you back, and good morning to you, esteemed guests. Mm -hmm. They've given us a nice analysis of how they project, and I like that. But, 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 but Ronnie and Ducks, you know how we do it. You know what I'm saying? You know we do it? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, like it, it, I like it a lot. It, it, yeah. It's so like that. Good morning to the 
listening audience. No, but we're we, we gonna we gonna break down this percentage thing first before we hit the senatorials because you know that's near and dear to the three of us heart. And Rocky, good morning, Rocky. I know you got some run-ins you're dealing with. If you could get in at some point, I know you will, but you're dealing with some run-ins. Mr. James, I wanted to touch on that percentage thing though that we the reason why we gotta be careful, right? With with the percentages versus raw turnout is this. Fifty-one percent of fifty-five thousand, right, mm -hmm. would be somewhere at what twenty-six thousand, right? Twenty-six, yeah. Right, right. but mm -hmm. but uh, fifty-one percent of a reduced number of thirty-nine uh, of uh, thirty-nine thousand eligible voters would take us at somewhere over nineteen thousand people. Correct. You follow what I'm saying? So, so when yeah. we apply percentages, you remember now you're applying the percentage to a raw number to get to get the percentage number. So, if in fact the 2020 census is accurate, where our population reduced from 106,000 to 87,000, it would be likely that you will see a reduction in voter participation commensurate to what your population reflects, right around. Well, in some ways, yes, but the participation uh, only reflects, right, the, particip the participation goes to people themselves, mm -hmm. regardless of the raw numbers, how they think in terms of what they want to go out and vote for. So you could get 20,000 people, and those 20,000 people say 50% of them will go out. Whereas you could get 30,000 people and only 50% of the 30,000 people will go out. That's the reason why I am not so much concerned. I'm concerned about the participation as I saw the drop yeah. drastically yeah. from the prior uh, 2018 to the 2022 gubernatorial um, Democratic primary. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you say, oh, 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 okay, okay. So you were talking about the thirty percent who participated in early voting in, uh, in the primary, not early voting in the primary overall in twenty eighteen versus the right. twenty percent who participated in the primary in twenty twenty two. That's what you're referring yeah. to, right? right. Oh, we're oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, that not drastic ten percent. That's not ten percent. That's not ten percent. That's thirty three percent. We mean ten percent. I mean, 20, yeah, 32% I was drafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah because, 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 because when you drop from 30 to 20, that right. means a third is gone. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so the, drop is, the drop is 33%, not 10% like people want to believe. Right. You're going yeah. to apply it based on the denominator. Now, let me ask this Correct, question. Sir. Let me ask this question to Ronnie and then to Ducks. Ronnie, we've participated in gubernatorial and non-gubernatorial cycles. Look, 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 at, look at the significance between 14 and 6, 2014, 2016. 27,879 in, in a gubernatorial cycle in 2014. 20,967. That's a drop of almost 7,000 people not voting, not, not participating in the, in the non-gubernatorial cycle like they did in the senatorial, like they did in the gubernatorial cycle in 14. Same thing in between 18 and 2020. 26,346 in 2018, 18,130 in 2020. That's a drop of 8,216 less people voted in 2020 than 2018. Now we had the COVID, right, the COVID pandemic. So I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to ignore that. But... We've been in cycles. We felt the difference. Haven't you felt the difference, uh, Rani, from a gubernatorial election year to a non-gubernatorial election year? 
Absolutely. And, you know, one, one of your guests uh, projected pretty low, and I agree with him. <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of enthusiasm about this election, but you have to have the people and the islands to vote. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the wow. people like that anymore. Yeah. And I think his projection, no, we don't. And, and you, you, because because Mr. Do- Mr. Dorsey said... We never caused the migration. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Dorsey, Dorsey. Mr. Dorsey mentioned that um, we had just under 12,000 in the early voting. And, you know, he's seeing maybe maybe 6,000 more. That would take us to 18, which would be the number for, for 2020. What's your take, Doc School? Do you have, how much more people do you believe we're looking at yeah. for um for 20? Well, for well, 20 we, 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 we might look at 20,000 or 21, but I don't think it's going to be any significant number higher than with what Mr. Dorsey uh, projected, simply because... A lot of people leave. Yeah. And a lot of people come in that can't vote. You know, they, yeah. they, they ain't registering to vote. They ain't getting involved in our political process. They're coming here for different reasons. And uh, I don't I don't see it, the numbers climbing up to where, and that makes it significant because 50 plus one changes dramatically. Yes. Particularly in everywhere. We're, we're, so, you know. Without, without, yeah. Without, yeah. Without, yeah. Without, yeah. Without, so, without a doubt. Without a um, r- yes, r- r- um, Doc's call. What, what's the what, what's what's the terrain look like in Saint Thomas? We got twelve thousand in the Harper territory wide. How much more you you suspect gonna be uh, participating tomorrow to take us to a big number? I I don't believe I believe the majority of the people who voted voted in early elections. Wow. I mean in early voting. Wow. I don't believe that we're gonna reach that ten uh, percent that ten thousand that uh, Mr. James mentioned in mm-hmm. his. In, in his poll with the for the for the for the swing voters, I really don't believe that. Yes, we see some enthusiasm around the camps, right? But the people, I believe, there's a lot of apathy, man. There's a lot of apathy, and uh, the registered voters themselves are not coming out to vote. Now, the the thing is, Neville, I know that, and 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 the, the team. That we stated registered voters. I don't know how was the, the were the numbers scrub in terms of registered voters who are eligible to vote in terms of in this election. That's mm. that's the question I would have. Well, let me ask. Let, well, let me let me ask response. that question. Let, let me ask that question to Mr. Dorsey and Mr. James. Um, mm-hmm. When we look at polling on the mainland, and thank you very much for that good point, Doc School. Um, pollsters typically make a distinction between registered voters and likely voters. So, right. so, 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 what's the take, Mr. Dorsey, with respect to your poll, where, where, where registered voters, people who participate, and those who expect to participate in the ele- in this election cycle? Yeah, so that's one of the nuances that we saw, and we made an adjustment on our surveys that we don't ask you if you're a registered voter. We ask you if you will vote, if you're not going to vote, if you're on the fence about voting. Uh, so the only numbers we report out to the public are those that have indicated that, yes, they will vote. Um, and we've noticed that just because, like the conversation is saying, you're a registered voter doesn't mean you're going to get up and go to that ballot box. Um, so what we're looking at specifically is those individuals that have the intent and desire to vote. Now, what we don't share publicly is what the aggregate looks like. Um, and when we get into those numbers, and Mr. James, we might need to sit down and, and review some polls as well with Mr. James, those numbers have the race even tighter. Uh, because one of the things that's interesting is the I don't know portion of our surveys 
Give me two seconds, gentlemen. I'm actually in my live feed right now. I will let you know what individuals think based on their uh, on the fence. Uh, but you can come back to me. Let me let me look. Let no, me no, no problem, Mr. James. Registered voters versus likely voters. That application for yes, poll, uh, yes, that yes. that dynamic for pollsters. Please speak to that. Yes. All right. In my poll, it is most likely to vote. Mm-hmm. And the, the assumption is that they are registered voters, but most likely to vote. That's one of the reasons why you have the, the plus or minus 5% in error, because most likely to vote don't necessarily mean that based on what they're telling you as a poster, what they will do. But over the years, the most likely voters concept have uh, provided us with sufficient comfort that the manner in which they, they, they select um, would come true when, in fact, they, they, they actually go out and vote. So mine is really most likely instead of registered, but it's most likely vote on that day. Day selection okay. would be most likely. Okay, so we got 11,008 and a half. Are we going to a break now? Um, can I, like, I'm going to ask the question this way to, to, both, to both pollsters. If we get to 20,000, we do good. Yeah, he did great. Yeah, correct. Docs and Rani, if we get the twenty thousand, we do good. I agree. I agree. We'll do good at twenty thousand. Uh, Docs volume there for some reason his his, his volume. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, their volume has been impacted. Oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. For some reason, their their volume has has been impacted. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take the break right now. We're gonna work on this. When we come back, we're going straight to the senatorial races. Because senators are very, very important. I know everybody focusing on the governor, but the senators are equally as important because that's the first branch of government. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Morning, neighbor. I see you got your bumper stickers and your sign up only. Yes, I'm so ready for this election season. Me too. Just waiting for the info on the polling places and then ballots. What polling places? You mean voting centers? The election system is using voting centers this year, where you can go anywhere across the island, walk in, fill out a ballot. Just bring your ID. Really? Because my daughter lives in Tutu, but walk all the way by the airport and would try to run back home before the sun goes down to vote. Nope. You're no longer stuck to just your neighborhood on election day. Voting centers mean you can vote anywhere in your district. And the next time, try the early voting option too. Skip the line altogether on election day. Girl, you have all the good tips this year, man. So, who's going to win? Ha! Read my yard sign. Then pick any voting center. Just remember, voting is not just your right. It's, it's the, the right, right thing, thing to do. A message from the election system of the Virgin Islands. 